An oddity of the recurring dream about the centurion was that the telephone ring that interrupted it always happened 47 minutes past the hour. It could be 147, 247, or 347. But when he woke and looked at the clock, it was always 47 past something. This was not the same. The telephone did not ring once. It persisted. And when he opened his eyes and looked at the clock, the time was 2.06. The phone had rung maybe six times when he picked it up. He was groggy. He'd eaten well, drunk a little more than usual, and had finished the evening with a round of good sex with Monica. Waking was not easy. Yeah. Jonas, this is Phil. You know what time it is. What time you think it is in Washington? Listen to me. A friend, never mind who, woke me up to read me a highly confidential document. Plan on a visit from a United States Marshal. He'll be early. He means to get to you before you leave the house. Jonas switched on the bedside lamp. He lifted himself to a sitting posture. He was stark naked. He didn't own such a thing as a pair of pajamas, and it took a cold night in a badly heated bedroom to make him sleep in his underclothes. Phil, what the hell are you talking about? The airline hearings, for Christ's sake. They've issued a subpoena for you. They want to grill your ass, Jonas. You didn't appear voluntarily in response to their request, so... Bunch of two-bit politicians want to make names for themselves by cross-examining Jonas Cord. Maybe. But they're United States senators, and they've got subpoena power. If you don't show you're in contempt of Congress, people have gone to jail for contempt of Congress. I hold Congress in complete contempt. You're not in the world's best position, Jonas. If those contracts for gate positions in New York and Chicago were, in fact, rigged the way— Phil, never mind. I know what they accuse me of. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah? Well, if the senators subpoena you to talk about it, you're going to have to talk about it. You don't have any choice. Except one, said Jonas. The lawyer was silent on the phone for a moment, then said, As your lawyer, I can't advise you to take that option. As my friend, that's why I called you in the middle of the night. I'll be in touch, Phil. I won't tell you where I'm going. If they ask, you really don't know. But I'll be in touch. Monica had wakened, had sat up, and was squinting curiously at him. She was naked, too, as Jonas noted in a quick, appreciative glance. Her boobies, that had always been a pleasure to look at and fondle, had grown plumper and more rotund since she had gained a little weight in her late thirties. Her belly was cute and roly-poly now, like a smooth little melon riding in the bowl of her pelvis. Her legs remained thin and sleek, and she had put on no new flesh around her neck or jawline. Her dark brown hair, now pillow-tussled, framed her face, which was as strong as always, maybe a little stronger as the years had imposed character. Do I hear that you're going somewhere? she asked. I have to scram for a while, said Jonas. A marshal is coming to serve me a subpoena. A couple of senators want to grill me in the Senate Airlines hearings. 
I really don't want to testify. I can't afford to testify. What have you done? she asked. Nothing illegal, he said acerbically, annoyed that she would even suggest he'd done something crooked. Competent counsel have advised me at every step. But congressional investigators like nothing more than making a businessman look bad, particularly if the businessman is one who gets newspaper coverage. They might even pressure the Justice Department into going for an indictment. I have done nothing illegal and would be acquitted for certain, but...